This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome to episode 123 of Banging on the Drum. I'm your host, P-Dog, joined alongside my other host, M-Dog. And M-Dog, how you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Have a nice few days to get over my uh, anger with the Packers, so life is good. Yeah, I was kind of trying to think of that. It is nice to recap them on Sunday nights like we have been doing uh, right after the Sunday games. But it is kind of nice to sit back and like hear some things and see maybe some things weren't as bad as you think they are or as good as they think they are. So it is nice kind of having the hindsight. But I do think I like doing it right after the game better than sitting back because I had to go back, rewatch what I rewatch and then then jog my memory of the game. Uh, yeah, I so I probably should have went back and rewatched it, but it didn't, well, I didn't feel good at that game, right? So yeah. it was no, it, it wasn't a pretty one, but I did go back and rewatch it, and there was more positives to pick out than initially. I mean, it was definitely a lot more negatives yeah. than positives, but going back and rewatching, but you didn't do it. We're gonna get you. And the rest of the crowd that's listening's brain going. So we're going to jump right into the Packer game here. This is our all business episode. So we start the game off, uh, pick pick off off right away. Um, what it was Stokes with the interception, right? No, Rudy Ford. Oh yeah, Rudy Ford picks him off. Packers get the ball, do absolutely nothing with it. Four plays for zero yards, kick a field goal, go up three nothing. Uh, Lions get the ball back, just march the ball down the field, just walk the Packers like like a dog on a nice stroll, and then cap it off with a wide-open touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, did not look good there. Then the Packers get the ball back, three and out, lose 11 yards on the play. If you were watching the game, you heard the announcer say more than a few times like how the Packers don't even have a yard in the game and this drive was our first setback of a drive uh we punted away then the lions continue to march on us right down the field uh david montgomery left tackle for three yards touchdown okay so yeah montgomery runs that in for the second touchdown of the game for the lions and then we get the ball back again and mike can you guess what we did on this possession I'm pretty sure we went three and out. We might not have even got any yards. Three and out. We did get seven yards, though. So Ooh, yeah. a little bit more respectable. This, then we punt the ball away. Defense starts to get strong. Just kidding. But this was the one where I was saying Dan Campbell's going to do something crazy. He's going to do something crazy this game. This was the drive. They run the reverse. Um, Whoever gets the reverse takes the ball. What was it? It was a long ass reverse. Um, thirty-ish yards. We'll just say thirty-ish yards. I can't see it right here, but whatever. Get into field goal range. The Packers do actually hold a little bit stronger in that drive. Hold them to a field goal. Currently, we have the score at seventeen to three. Packers get the ball back, throw an interception, and then. Uh, two. Then the Lions have a two-play seven-yard drive for a touchdown, capped off with another Montgomery touchdown. We have another three and out. So yeah, dude, this is brutal. Looking back at it, just like this, the play-by-play. Yeah. Oh yeah, but, for sure. But then we do hold the. Then then it goes punt. So we punted. They punt. We punt again. We did get a first down on that drive. I'll have had five yards or five plays. And then they get a field goal going into half. And the Packers are down 27 to three at half. So, like, what were you feeling at this point in the game? Uh, not, I was worried that it was going to get like out of hand, out of hand. Yeah. Right. Like, like so if they get another touchdown here. Like, I don't even know how, like, you come back from this in this 
instant here. It's only three scores. Like that's ridiculous three scores, right? But yeah. it is still only three scores. It it it's not easy. I did have way too much optimism right around like the end of the third quarter. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that though. But yeah, going into half, like it just felt like this game was way over. And it's funny that you say that it is a three score game. Because in my head, that does not look like a like a three score game to me. Yeah, it doesn't look like it, but it is, right? So like we're in a position to and we've been pretty good from the two yard line. Yeah, no. No, and to and then here's in the Packers defense. They came out with some fire. Like they were getting pushed around, like I said, like walk like a dog in the first half. They come on the second half and like their linemen were like fired up, like making some blocks, hitting hitting guys like maybe even a little bit after the play, but they were pissed off. Uh get the get the kickoff, take it down for a 12 play, 86 yard drive, capped off by a Watson touchdown on this one. Um, great drive there, great response. Uh, end up getting the two point conversion. I want to say that was to read. Yep, it was to yep. read. Uh, and then the Packers are there 11 to 27. And then I had not too much optimism at that point, but then the Packers hold the lines to a three and out where they only gain one yard. So I was like, oh, damn, maybe, maybe we do got some fire here. I think. Also, though, is when you're up 27 to 3, 27 to 11, they kind of took their foot off the gas, Yep. which whatever. It's just human nature, I guess. Um, in I, think, a lot well, of cases, I think. What's that? I think in a lot of cases. So Dolphins didn't, the Bills didn't, right? The Dolphins didn't to the Broncos, and then the Bills didn't to the Dolphins. Yeah, and I think – I think with like the dolphins, like they're a different case. Like they're, they're a squirrely bunch that you definitely think like, you know, this might not be enough guys. Like you can actually go in the locker room and give that speech. Like Dan Campbell at halftime was like, I I mean, all he could be saying was like, yeah, yeah. Like like, good job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're beating the shit out of this team. Like they got no life, Um, but they did come out, show some life. Uh, Right now we got 11, 27, just held the Lions to a three and out. Packers get the ball back, go three and out again. Whatever. Lions, next possession, they punt. Then Packers get the ball back after that punt, go five plays, 66 yards, cap it off with a Jordan Love touchdown where we fail on the two-point conversion attempt. But if they got that two-point conversion attempt, dude, I would have been all in. I think I was actually all all I was. In. Honestly, like, I think... <laughs> So this is what are we at right there? 17 27. Yep, 17 27. That two point conversion obviously would have made it 19 27. So well, one score game with a whole quarter of football to go. So yeah, like 12 minutes left, right? 13 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um let me let me look for sure here. So yeah, yeah, no, like pretty no, it was a whole quarter to go. So Oh no, you're you're right. So it would have been 14 minutes and 52 seconds. Correction. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got it right. You're you're in good shape saying a whole quarter. Yeah, but then I, the life the the Lions I think started to feel the pressure a little bit, and when they wanted to do anything, they could do what they wanted to do. So next drive, once again, just walk the Packers down the field. 14 play, 75 yard drive took eight minutes and 52 seconds off the clock on this drive so just methodically dinking and dunking down the field taking time off the clock just a perfect drive to well so only kind of so they're kicking the field goal and uh quay walker gets a oh yeah this was a... uh conduct penalty for essentially being too athletic for football that's what really the call is right Am I a crazy person saying that? If he lands on a dude, if he jumps over him and lands on somebody's leg, something like that, I think that penalty is warranted. Right? If you hit anybody, that penalty is warranted. I don't think that penalty should be warranted in any other circumstance. Yeah, I get where you're going with it. I knew this was a penalty. Like, even when I, I, I see I, him- like, 
in the back of my mind. I just hate it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it, the flag came out super late too, which didn't help the aesthetics of the penalty. Because, like, when I watched it, like I was saying, I was like, I'm pretty sure Quay Walker can't do what he just did. Like, I, I don't think he's supposed to do what he just did. And I mean, he should have known better. Um, yep. I think he's definitely going to be one of our strengths of this game, though. If if he falls into any of the categories of the SWAT. Uh, that we're going to be doing after this. But yeah, I, I like where you're going with that. But I just think then you just get into too grave an area where if a guy does do that, lands on a guy's ankle or something. I, I don't know if that's even the reason why. I honestly think the reason why is like it's too easy for these guys to do that sometimes. No, so like, like no, like, uh, but that's on the offense to figure out how to solve that problem. Like, that's what football is, is a mental problem solving game in a physical world, right? So it's like chess. You're playing chess, but with like super athletes. Do you remember the first leaping call? The first leaping call I remember. Do you, do you remember a leaping call in the uh, past? I remember one and I can't remember who it was, but I, I think they used someone instead of like they use somebody like they put their hand on them to be able to reach higher or something like that. I want to say it was like one of the middle linebackers, maybe like a Nick Barnett. But. So this wasn't even a Packers game, the one I was thinking of. So, but the first time I really remember it, and I think one of the first times it was maybe called in the NFL because I remember when on the call, like they were so surprised by it, but it was, I want to say it was the Colts versus Tampa Bay. And it was like Peyton Manning. It, it might be the biggest comeback in NFL history. It was one of those games like, and and yeah, the the Colts, whatever, benefited from it. I can't remember which way, but everybody was like, leaping. What the heck is leaping? But if if leaping is a penalty, Quay Walker definitely leaped. Oh, yeah. It's for that guy. So, so, yeah. But yeah, no, I like where you're going with that. I, I could see it going either way. Because then what do you do? You like kind of put like a h back or something in the area where they can jump that can just get under their i don't know under their pads and just hold them off well so like you could just like risk his like risk his his life if you decide to do that so if you're the guard in that situation and, you, and you're getting jumped over and you just fucking slap at his feet he's gonna land on his goddamn head and that's on yeah. him that's right? true. And so like, but I have that same attitude about wide receivers over the middle. I don't think that um, like big hits over the middle should be penalized, right? Because I think that the that's part of the game that is like, don't go make that catch. Like, if you want to protect your brain and you want to protect all this, like your lifestyle and the game, don't go, don't run routes over the middle and don't catch the ball when there's a linebacker standing there. And like, if you get lit up, that's on you. Now yeah. I get guys don't think like that. Like that's not the way athletes think they never do. But I think that's part of the game is like, if you're scared to go over the middle, it's a lot harder to like run an offense through the middle of the field. No. And I like to usually give you pushback with some of these, but I completely agree with you is like, if, if it's part of the game, it's part of the game. And like, yep. if you got a guy that's willing to do that and will help you out by sacrificing his body, that should be like a benefit to you as a team. If, yep. if you got guys that don't want to do it, don't attack the middle anymore. And, and you're going to, your team's going to suffer a little bit. So it is what it is. And I always remember it's part of the game now. Like, and so like, I want to say like in 2004, 2005, like they let guys light people up. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Pre that to any time pre that, maybe it was right around that is when it really started to change. And I get that it's not no longer part of the game. Well, and there was a, a certain skill too to the quarterback and the receivers' relationship, where like you know, yeah. Favre would have to be like, you know, if I really have to get my guy laid out, I might do it. But if I don't yeah. have to lay him out, I'm not going to throw that ball to get him laid out. So I think it fell more back on the quarterback than it does now so yeah and there's another like rule thing that i think is a little bit goofy um 
that I saw this weekend. Did you watch the Commanders and the um, Eagles game at all? I did not get to watch much football this weekend. I was oh, driving yeah. out from yeah. ten or Florida to Tennessee. Anyway, um, I don't remember which wide receiver it was for the Commanders, but he catches the ball and he lands on the guy's arm. The guy's arm is like fully in bounds. And so this guy's foot would come down in bounds if like 100%. And the guy, it's like difference of like two and a half inches, right? Whatever the thickness of this dude's arm is. But yeah. he just rolls to the, um, like rolls to the sideline and hits the sideline. And it was inconclusive either way. But I think in the past, that would have been like a forced out of bounds due to the defender, where now it's just a like out of bounds. Like there's no gray area with it. And like, yeah, so you think he landed on his arm in bounce that so he should be in bounce. No, it would have hundred percent been in bounce if like his arm isn't there, right? And so it was just weird. No, I actually like the I, – I, I'm a defensive apologist, so I like the rule. The thing that I never understand is when you run the jump ball, why these guys don't just carry him out of bounds. Like if Justin Jefferson's running a jump ball on me, I'm going to let him catch it, and I'll just carry him out of bounds. Yeah, but then, then I, I don't understand why they don't do that because they're all right there. Like that should be what's taught is like if, he's, if, if you're going into that corner and you think it's coming, get your head up. Look for him to catch it and carry him out. Like, just we're pushing straight towards the out of bounds. You're carrying him as much as you can. But then I think you're going to fall into another area where it's going to turn into, say, I'll just use you and me, for example. Like, if I'm jumping to catch a ball, like in the end zone, and I catch the ball, but you catch me, this is a dumb situation just to oh, lay yeah, it out. Yeah. But no, you no, catch me and then carry me out of the back of the end zone. I think you're just kind of it's kind of like the forward momentum type thing is like you know like you couldn't yeah, so right right now that's not the way the rule is right so it's like you like the receiver puts his two feet in bounce or he doesn't yeah right so that's what that arm would do so his elbow his arm was laying flat on the ground right and a guy stepped on it and he was out of bounce so like that's the same as that rule like if you're down in bounce and you're on and the guy's on top of you, then he's down in bounce or whatever. But that's apparently yeah. not the way it works. Yeah, no, I I'm actually more confused now because I thought if he caught it and he landed on a guy in bounce, then he would be good to go. But he was not good to go. He was correct. He yep. was out of bounds. Okay. Yeah. No, I I didn't even know that. But anyways, let's let's get back to the Packer game here. So yeah, sorry, not not no, not much more going on. So after they score that touchdown, we throw an interception right away. They punt it. We get a field goal, and then they end the game uh, on a six play, two minute and fifty two second drive. Just milk the clock dry. But after that interception, the game was basically over. So, uh, I guess the Packers could have got a touchdown, but. That is the recap of the game, and let's get into the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I will let you go. Well, I was the one that wrote the strength. Do you want me to start with the strength? Yeah, go for it. So, yeah, strength in this game, I thought, was the way the Packers came out in the second half. Like, they didn't completely lose hope in this game, and they were pissed off and embarrassed that they were getting the shit kicked out of them so bad that they came out and showed some fight. And I think if they started the game with the energy that they started the second half with, I, I still don't know if you're walking away with a win in this game, but you're it's it's going to be a way better game. Uh, I know, you know, like I was saying, they've let off the gas a little bit, so it's kind of hard to gauge that. But I definitely do think the Packers came out flat and have been coming out flat. And they just got to stop doing that. I mean, we're down 17 nothing to the Saints. Had to come back and win that game. Um, I can't remember if we came out firing against Atlanta. We definitely did it against the Bears, but the Bears are the Bears. Like, that's that's not a real a gauge. Game, right? Yeah, that's not a real gauge. But, yeah, the, the way they fought in the second half, I would say 
is a good strength and like just the guys coming up with big catches to Ray came up with like a pretty insane catch. And it does look like our weapons that we thought were going to be one of the bigger question marks of the season aren't even really the hugest weakness that, that we thought, and and we will get into the weaknesses, but I do want to put one more strength in there because Quay Walker was all over the fucking field. Like he looks like an absolute stud and with Devondre Campbell down, he had to step up. And I think he did a hell of a job stepping up. Yeah, he got that one dumb penalty. But what do you have, 19 tackles in the game? Like yeah. And, I mean, he's just having a great season. He's got that touchdown on the year already. So, Quay Walker is on Pro Bowl watch, in my opinion. Uh, well, I can't imagine. I can't imagine if you're, like, running down 15 tackles game 10 to 15 tackles a game that you're not going to be right there right yeah and then in the, i don't know the, what like good amount of tackles is in the nfl i'm not positive on that but i can't imagine most guys are running around and getting 200 tackles a year yeah i think 200 is a little little bit much um but uh but yeah no i, I would say like 170 like 10 tackles a game ish is going to get you in that category if that's your calling if you're the aj hawk of the team if you're the middle linebacker that's like martin kind of, yeah kind of the more run stopper of the of the group but but yeah i think i think it would have been a miss if we didn't put him in there as having a great game yeah so uh with you saying like the second half of this game like they come out and fight. I'd like to throw like Jordan Love in the second half of games is a plus. Like that's a strength of the team. In the first quarter, yeah, maybe not so much. Third quarter and on, I think that he he kind of kills it. Yeah. And I don't know how you how you get him to come out and like dial up, you know, three touchdowns in the first half and then kind of shit the bed. I'd be much rather see that than um shit in the bed early and then being down 27 to three, but yeah, I like what he's doing in the second half. I think that he's making the throws. I think our wide receivers, which I was worried about them being like anywhere near good enough are plenty good. I, I agree. Think I think they're making the catch. I mean, we've had some, a few moments where they weren't making the catches, but as the season goes, I think we're going to be in really, really good shape. I think we have four guys that are good, good. Yeah, they're blossoming. Like yeah. Musgrave, uh, he he deserves a touchdown. If he doesn't get a touchdown, that is going to be my fantasy uh, advice of the week. If you're looking for a tight end to just get a touchdown, next week is his touchdown. He Well, be he careful gets- with Musgrave. He got taken out for a concussion. Oh, shit. Yep, yep. That's part of the reason that he – like. He didn't have much for yards and stuff like that in this game. Yeah, I still keep looking back to that Saints game where Love missed him, like running wide open down the seam. But yeah, so I I keep thinking they're like, oh, we got to make up for that one. We got to make up for that one. And I keep thinking it's next week. So next time he starts, if you need a tight end, start him. He's. I've been trying to acquire him in a few leagues, and nobody wants to give him up, even if they have a good tight end in front of them. Is that a dynasty league or is that no just a regular one? But oh, I think okay. that I think so. Right now I'm streaming guys and it is not going well. I got zero out of my tight end yesterday. So um Musgrave would be a huge upgrade. And I like to have Packers if I think they're plus guys. So yeah, yeah. and right. I and and I didn't have to overspend on so didn't get him. All right, let's roll into the weaknesses here. What do you got, Mike? You're you're taking so, over from on out. Yeah, yeah. So our weaknesses for like the biggest weakness I I think I'm seeing it's not even on the defensive side of the ball currently. It is the run blocking. Our run blocking is feels atrocious. Like we can't do anything. Um, I don't think that we lack talent at the running back position. I don't think we're awesome. Right, I don't think we have these elite level running backs outside of Aaron Jones, but our run blocking isn't doing us any favors there either. They are just struggling. Um, the offensive line did not do well this game. I mean, Detroit's defense is good. I give you that, but like 
we need to be better than that. Like we can't have games like that, especially against good teams. And Detroit is a playoff team. Like I can't see anybody else in the NFC North like winning the North. I mean, I get that we're only what essentially one game behind them, but I don't see anybody winning the North except for the Lions. If the Packers do, I'll be super, super happy, but we're going to have to get on a run and really start like crushing teams and, uh, the Lions are going to have to hit a skid, which I don't see happening. They yeah. might get, they're going to get losses here and there, but I don't see them hitting a hard skid. Yeah. I, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say the numbers back you up. So for rushing in this game, the Packers only had 12 attempts, 2.3 yards of carry for 27 yards. Uh, I don't think it helps that Aaron Jones was there and hurt and they were definitely trying to ease him back into a game. Right. And I think he was playing more uh, Terrell Davis with a migraine football is let's, you know, let's make them think that Aaron Jones is healthy. And I, I didn't like Packers Twitter just goes like nuts. They're like, why didn't they give him a hundred carries that game? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's probably because he's not anywhere near a hundred percent. He's just suiting up to uh, so, for, for the chess piece of the game. Yeah. And so like, see, I'm kind of split into both camps on that. So I even think with Dylan, if you rushed him 25 times in a game, like say we don't have Aaron Jones and you rush Dylan 25 times in a game, he's not going to come out with 52 yards, right? Like that. Oh yeah, for sure. But now, if you go three and out, 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 three and out to start a game, I, I, it was only three three and outs. I exaggerated a little bit. But if you run nine plays, it's almost impossible to run those nine plays, all run plays. Right? And like to start trying to wear the defense out if you're getting negative two yards or one yard every carry. Um, so to get a guy 25 yards when we can't even – move the ball or 25 carries when you can't even move the ball with a running game, you just can't do it because you're going to have to throw one or two times in those three downs, especially if you lose two or three yards, second and third down are both almost always passing down. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think it's just a way to nitpick the like coaching staff too, is that they were kind of in a jam. Like, cause like you said, the run blocking was atrocious even if we were handing the ball off on first down, yeah. you know, then yep. it was no way we then if we handed off on second down, everybody would have been like, why the fuck they handed off on second down? Didn't you see what happened on first down? <laughs> yeah. It was second and 13. Yeah. Like it's a no win situation, especially when you're getting dominated up front like that. Yeah. So, but I'm, I am in both camps. I, I want to see 25 carries out of our running backs every game. Like that's what I want to see like on a personal level. That wasn't going to work on Thursday night, though, and so my mind is just conflicted. Yeah, no, no, it was it was bad, and then then you had our run defense was not great, and David Montgomery gashed us thirty two yards, one hundred and twenty. I mean, he had thirty two carries, one hundred and twenty one yards, and three touchdowns in that game. So, yeah, and then Gibbs had another what, like sixty yards? Yeah, Gibbs had eight carries for forty yards. Um, as a team, they ran the ball 43 yards, 4.9 yards a carry for 211 yards. Yeah. And then also with that being said, and you already heard what the Packers did, the Lions dominated the time of possession. Let's just go even with it. So it's 38 minutes to 22 minutes is what the time of possession was. And you're not going to win a football game with <laughs> – with the time of possession looking like that. It'd be rare, right? And so, yeah. and really, like, if you're getting five yards on a carry, you can run it on second down. And even if you get three, you're still in really good shape to run it on third down. Like, you can run three plays in a row if that's what happened. And I, I mean, the, the Packers way, weren't in that situation and the Lions were in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. They were running for a first down every two carries. So, um, yeah, I, I can't recall what the long run if so. Yeah, that that reverse to Cliff Raymond was forty yards. So when I was going through that, um, oh, did you so mean Khalif Raymond? Yeah, 
Caliph. Caliph. Caliph Raymond. No, you, like, I think, it sounds I, like you're saying Cliff, and I was like, Cliff. It's K-A-L-I-F. Caliph. I'm pretty sure it's Caliph. I think you're right. I mean, that sounds way more right, but I feel like I'd want that to be an E to to be yeah, reading that as Caliph. But all right, so weaknesses, run blocking, run defense. What do you, yeah. you got any more or you want to move on to some of the opportunities uh, here? I think that that's the ones that I really see. I did see a couple of formations down by the goal line that I didn't think were good, which just comes down to like Joe Barry, right? That like it almost looked like we were rushing the passer on, you know, second and goal or whatever it was. And it's like, you know, they're going to run it. They've been killing us with the run the whole game. You need to have five defensive linemen down there and you only got three. And so that is what it is though. Um, yeah. Lose my mind too much on that kind of stuff. And I'll touch something real quick is, so maybe this was like a, a strength from a weakness, but, Discipline wise, the Packers were actually better in that game. So only four penalties for 31 yards. So I want to say like our games before it, we were racking up over a hundred yards of yeah, like, and like pe- 10 penalty. 11 penalties, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. so the Saints was atrocious, right? Yeah. It was bad. So opportunities. Um, I think our biggest opportunity right now is um we're gonna have time off. So we have 10 days this week to play on Monday night. I think it's 10. Um, against we play a Monday night against the Raiders, and, and so we can get guys healthy. Um, Watson should be 100% healthy, should be able to play the entire game against the Raiders. Didn't do that against the Lions, and maybe for like good reason. You're down 27 to three. It's kind of like, all right, we're going to start dialing him back right now because if he's not, if he's at 90%, we don't want to like make that 80% going into this week. Um, same with Jones, should be able to be back back coming up at our next game i'm hoping so obviously the coaching staff and the medical staff didn't think he was 100 percent there last week otherwise they would have played him differently i think um but time is on our and so we have the opportunity to get healthy and then on top of that to set things right um and when you kind of need to do that now if we want to have a successful season and by a successful season i would say making the playoffs right like that would be exceptionally successful for what I think the Packers are this year is to make the playoffs. Um, And I, the way I'm kind of looking at this is so if you're breaking the NFL season down into quarters, if we take our extra game now, we can win this quarter and then just concentrate on going three and one in each of the next quarters. And I'd be, I'd be fine with that. So that would uh, end us up with uh, five losses. Yeah, I'll take that. What, uh, and that's 12 wins and five losses? I'd love that. Like that, but you'd have to win each quarter. That'd be tough to do. Quarter, each quarter of the season and give we, five to the first side. And it, it's always yeah. tough saying this, but we do have a pretty weak schedule uh, coming up with the Raiders, then the Broncos. The Vikings are never going to be an easy team for the Packers. I think, yes, last year the Vikings overperformed big time, but I do think on the opposite end of that, they're underperforming big time this year. And they're going to come to play against the Packers. Um, But yeah, the schedule looks like fairly favorable to chunk it out like you were saying, quarter by quarter, and have a winning record in each of those quarters. So, And so even if we... Even if we go 50-50 in two of those quarters, if we win two, so like winning two is going to put us at you know, like a six and three and then eight, ten. Like you can still get to ten wins by having 50% on those, a couple of those quarters, right? And so, um, but if you you got to come out and you got to play well against the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, it's uh, So I'll get into my threats kind of right away, and that would be that, Teams start understanding that running the ball against the Packers is, for lack of a better term, easy. Right? And if we go into a Raiders game and McDaniels understands that running the ball is easy against the Packers, as big of a fucking clown as that guy is, we're going to have problems because Josh Jacobs is exceptionally good. And 
if they start running it down our throat and start taking yard after yard after yard from us, we're going to lose that game. Like if they can control the clock, the 38 minutes to 22 or whatever, we don't win. That's not, that's not a recipe for us winning games is to have them have the ball in their hands and just march it down the field on us consistently. Even if you can hold them to field goals, it's going to be tough to win games. Yep. No, I agree with you. Um, yeah, but it, the Lions, I will say, you got to give them all the credit uh, yep. in this game because they came out and whooped our ass in every aspect of the game. They were better defensively. They were better offensively. Their scheme seemed better. Everything seemed smarter. Like they, when they needed to do something, they did something. So they're a legitimately good team. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to see where the Packers measure up to them on Thanksgiving uh, when they play them again. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because it'll be a good, good measuring stick game. And we have two get right games. So uh, if the Packers lose either of these games, like don't get me wrong, it's the NFL. Like you can lose to any team on any given Sunday. That's why there's a movie called Any Given Sunday. But uh, yeah, I'll be far less optimistic. I didn't lose too much hope in the Packers season this year, partially because I think we're kind of playing with house money uh yep. in my mind with the first year of love is hey let's get it figured out see if he's the guy and then we'll go from there so yeah i'm i'm still high on love i love love so i'm good to go i do do enjoy this this team and i think these next two weeks i think we'll straighten it out for sure yeah um i agree i think Honestly, I think in the first four games, we've decided that Love is going to be the guy moving forward. It'll be putting those pieces around him. And honestly, I think outside of the running back position, we have those pieces around him um, in the skill position players, right? So I don't know how long Aaron Jones plays for the Packers yet, which is disappointing. I think that he's great. He's dinged up right now, but we don't have a secondary running back and i could see next year if there's if there's guys that are like i mean Braylon allen coming to the team Braylon allen i'm yeah (laughs) badger running back yeah uh yeah i mean maybe i don't know that i love the way he runs like physicality wise and like not sure but so this year coming out in the draft was robinson and Jameer Gibbs, and then you have like a guy like um, a-, a Chan for the Dolphins that came out. There's probably a guy or two in the draft, and you could do what you did with tight end and be like, "All right, we're going to throw three picks at these dudes and see like who kind of pans out." Yeah, or wide receivers. Where we threw what? Did we draft three last year, and then we drafted another? Three oh, we this dropped year? it. Yeah, it seemed like. So we uh, took Watson, Dobbs, and Tory last year, and then this year we took Reed, Wicks, and there's another one, and I can't think of who it is. They yeah. didn't make the team, though. Uh, Dubois, Grant Dubois from yeah. Charlotte. And then like they went out and signed a couple guys, like that Malik Heath, who is on the team, who's gotten some play when guys are dinged up. So um, – you could do something like that with the running back, which I believe is kind of what they did when they took Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in the same year. I think Jamal Williams was like a third-round pick, and then Jones was like a sixth. And it just happened that Jones panned out better than Williams did in our system. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, we did draft this Lou Nichols the third, but I don't think – I assume he didn't make the team. Actually, I know I he didn't make the team. No, he um, didn't make the team. That Emmanuel Wilson, he might have been injured though, is part of the reason he didn't make the team. But yeah, like if you take and you just use a little bit higher draft capital on guys like um, second and third round guys instead of fifth and sixth round guys, there's a good opportunity that somebody's going to pan out there. Yeah, no, and I mean, 
like we said, house money seems like a good problem to have. If if we got the quarterback, get the running back, uh, hopefully this offensive line um, sacks up a little bit and starts starts giving us a push up front so we can run the ball a little bit more. But I do think a fully healthy Jones does help motivate him healthy, to do it. A fully healthy offensive line does that too. I think. Yeah, I yeah. heard that um, one guy was dinged up, and then. We are down to our second string on the entire left side of the line. That's not ideal. Like to pretend that losing Bakhtiari is good for us in any way, shape, or form is dumb, right? Yeah. Um, we would really like him to be on the field. It's disappointing that this injury has sapped three years of his career. It'd be awesome if he could come back. I just don't really see how or like I don't see a path. For him to come back really yeah and i mean the articles i'm seeing i didn't click on any of them but just headlines is like it looks like bakhtiari's career in green bay is not looking or future in green bay is is not looking promising so right that is sad to see because yeah that was one of the best offensive linemen we've ever seen play in in our lifetime well, especially for for the Packers. Right? Yeah, for the Packers. Um, but yeah, I think that will wrap up the Packers stuff. Unless you have anything more. No, I don't have anything more. Um, I think we should uh, roll out the barrel here. All right, we are going to roll out the barrel. Uh, fair disclosure here: we were expecting to have a guest on to talk about this stuff. So, I was hoping he could give us a little bit more insight on. Um, well, I want to say the Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Diamondbacks, but if we just get into that right off the bat, um, I was saying, I do not like to cheer for what opponent we are going to be playing, but in the back of my mind, I wanted it to be the Marlins so much more than I wanted it to be the Diamondbacks. And honestly, all I can say is I did have that good stretch in the summer where I was watching a lot of those recap rundowns and the diamondbacks are just a team that can, can play some baseball. Uh, they have the best defense in the league. Um, I'm going to scroll over to them real quick. I know they have two good pitchers, but with them having to pitch down the stretch and trying to win games to jockey for position, uh, they're not going to have them for games one and two in this series, which kind of does help us out. Um, we did run into some bad news as Brewers. It does look like we're going to get burns right off the bat, but Woodruff has some sort of shoulder injury and it does not look like he's going to be playing in the wild card round. So let's cross our fingers and hope that it is just uh, the wild card round that Woodruff is going to be missing or missing. So I don't know where we're going with this because you only get a 26 team or 26 player roster for that wild card position. And I was reading an article into this and they do some interesting stuff uh, to not carry some guys and carry some guys uh, yep. just to give us the best opportunity for this one. Um, but the one I was reading I don't think the Woodruff news had came out yet. So I don't know where they're going to go with that one. Is it going to be Colin Ray? Is it going to be uh, Adrian Hauser? Um, hopefully it's just Corbin Burns and Peralta. And then we're, we're done with it. But, but I'm going to run through. Would you consider, the, would you consider starting like a Wade Miley to like. Yeah. Or Wade Miley. Yeah. Like I, I have. Think, well, so for like the purpose of like. I'm going to start this guy in my first first game. Dominant strike, you know, strike thrower, like fastballs, like crushing it, like speed type guy, like looking for whiffs. Where Miley's like a completely different style of pitcher. Yeah, and I definitely would if we win game one. I I don't think yeah. I don't think you yeah. go out there and be like, all right, let's throw Corbin Burns. We lose the game, and then we're like. Well, let's let's roll the dice here in game two and uh, give Miley a chance. I mean, Miley's a good pitcher in his own right, but 
but I, I just don't think you would shy away from your number two guy uh, right. in that situation. And then I think, yeah, it, it's dependent for sure on how the Brewers do in game one. I think if you win game one, I'm using the house money term a little bit too much in this one, but you got a game up, you got, you can risk it a little bit more, um, throw Miley. Uh, if he wins that one, then you have Peralta ready to go for game one of the next series. Hopefully Woodruff back for game two. If not, Burns would already be back for game two, then Woodruff, and that you really could roll into it. So yeah, I think that's a good point that you brought up. I think if you win game one, you throw a Miley or something else second. All right, and so I got another question for you. Are these consecutive day games? So yeah, these not, are not day games like noon, but like are these like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, from what I'm gathering, I'm going to double check myself real quick before I keep giving false facts on the baseball playoffs. Yeah, cuz I I've been so wrong about every aspect of how the MLB playoffs go, but yeah. So we play tomorrow at 6:08 and then we play Wednesday at 6:08. And then Thursday, time to be determined, but they would play on Thursday as well. So it is three games right in a row. So there's no no throwing burns in game one and game three type right, deal. So six oh so eight, is that like an ode to like the Wisconsin uh area code? Is that why you play at six oh eight instead of six oh five? I think they do stuff like that. So, yeah, that might be. But I think uh, Milwaukee's the 414, though. So, I don't know. You're not starting at 414 if the MLB tells you you can't. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I like that. I think it is 608 because I think uh, the White Sox used to be uh, sponsored by 711 and they would start their games at 711. So, I'm pretty sure that was that's accurate. Like, I remember a story about something like that. So, all right, but yeah, you, I was just, I was just wondering like how it kind of sets up. If there's going to be, if this is like the NBA where you get seventeen day uh, days off in a three game series. No, no, uh, this wild card round is pretty aggressive, pretty fast. Can bounce, bounce yeah. even good teams very quick, um, and I think that's just the advantage of the, yeah, you know, the top, right? getting a one or a two seed. In the MLB, and I think that's how it should be. Like when you have a season that's 162 freaking games, like you should get like a a pearl, you know, to well, you should get a good advantage in when it comes to the postseason. I want to say that like when we were kids, it was just the top two teams. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the NL East and the NL West, and that was it. No. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. I mean, it, when we were real young. I mean, we could. Yeah, real young. So the wild card probably came in in like the mid-90s. Yeah. But then even still with the wild card, it was it was the wild card round, the championship round, and then the World Series. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, only a few teams making it. But, yeah, let, let's do a little Arizona Diamondbacks research. So, uh, if you haven't heard of Corbin Carroll yet, I think you've been sleeping under a rock. So rookie this year, he is hitting 285, uh, has 161 hits on this season, uh, 54 stolen bases. Um, from the little bit I've read and just looking at the stats that I'm looking at here, uh, the Diamondbacks will run wild. And I do think when they played the Brewers, they were eight for eight stealing the ball. I want to say they have some of the most stolen bases in the league and then one of the highest percentages, something like 86% of the time, um, they don't get caught stealing. So if they get on the bases, they're going to run wild. Uh, Then you have Christian Walker, who is – they're big bat in the lineup. So he's hit 33 home runs this year, had 103 RBIs. He is hitting 258 on the season as a team. Uh, I think I think the Brewers and the Diamondbacks are both hitting 250. So 
pretty similar styles of teams coming into this is it's going to be more your your speed defense and pitching and honestly it's tough for this brewers team with as good as defenses they play have been playing all season to go into a series and be not the better defensive team um i think that was going to be a rarity this year with how great the brewers are at playing defense but this is the team that is better than them at defense it's a little bit better than them on the bases hits pretty similar to them but what the brewers have is corbin burns and willie peralta and we thought it was going to be woodruff but woodruff is down as for pitching for these guys on this season i am just gonna figure out who the guys with the best eras on their team are and zach gallon merle kelly uh both have had really good seasons uh gallon is has a 3.47 era three point and then kelly has a 3.29 era but i'm pretty sure like i was saying before i think those two guys had to pitch down the stretch so they're not going to be in game one or two so if we can get out of the series before we have to face a gallon or a kelly which it does seem like they would be throwing kelly at us um just from how the numbers line up uh but it it does seem like um I'm, i feel like i'm saying it wrong and i should know this guy's name uh gallon it's not gallon 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 <laughs> whatever i'm gonna get hung up on that I, is, he, is he hispanic no or double, he's not. double l is gonna make a y or something like that no yeah it's just throwing me off there but yeah they they have a solid pitching staff so as a team they are have a four four eight era so if we are ranking it across the board like i said my research on the dime batches goes to recap rundowns when the brewers have played them this season i'm not going out of my way to watch uh, uh diamondback games on my free time even though if if there was a team i would go out and watch maybe not diamondbacks number one but they were up there they were i was yeah reds were explosive diamondbacks were great texas rangers were fun to watch um but yeah they definitely fell into like my radars where i was like these teams are these teams are deadly um reds obviously fell off a little bit uh this is going to be a andrew chafin uh revenge series uh so i think we're going to see some some chafe dog in there uh the pitcher we acquired at the trade deadline mike looked at me with a little bit of a blank stare but oh, i uh, knew i knew that was a guy we traded for okay good he's the he's the one who looks like a brewer right yeah long yeah. hair mustache he looks like bernie kind of yeah so what did we say their era on the season was mike four four six yep all right so we'll go over to the the brewers who have a three seven one so yeah we have a pretty significant advantage against them in uh in the pitching category uh our bullpen is electric uh and then i just want to see where the hitting lines up and no they hit a little bit better than us we're 240 on this season but uh do you want to we, we are going longer than we normally go on our a straight, yeah straight business. business episode it has so been just, straight business yeah i just want to touch one thing real quick before we kind of sign off here what do you think we need to do in order so you're you've touched on that we got to hit the pitching right like or not hit the pitching we got to pitch well right yeah um so but like that's what the brewers do is like if we don't pitch well we don't win games period it doesn't matter either way right so um what else do we have to do in order to like win in these first three three games or so y'all first two games maybe i think yelich is gonna be huge yelich just needs to keep playing the way that he's been playing um you know he's had that back injury late in the season uh he came back and he showed us he was still doing well 
So we need Yelich to be the anchor of the team that he can be in this game. And then we just need another dude that's... So right now it looks like pretty consistently we're going to have Yelich hitting, we're going to have Contreras hitting, we're going to have Canna hitting, um, Monasterio, we'll get some hits in there and stuff. Uh, but we just need someone in the back half of the lineup to get hot. We need uh Blake Perkins to get hot. We need Tyrone Taylor to get hot. You know, we need we need a a unsung hero to heat up and have a series for us. All right. Uh, Which guy is it gonna be? Who's gonna who's the guy that right now hasn't been there? He's gonna be Mr. October for the Brewers. All right. I think Pick the e- easy answer that I would want to say is it's going to be Willie Adamas. Um, but if I'm going to get a little squirrely with it, I'm going to go to Rang. But you told me I can only pick one. I'm going to say Terang is going to be our guy in the wild card round that hits two homers. And then I think Willie Adamas will heat up for us in the divisional round. And then I'm not going to get two two ahead of my uh horses in that one um but but yeah i'll go terrain is gonna hit a couple bombs a couple big bombs in this um and then i had the lineup that i wanted starting um rotation like i said it would be chalk if we had woodruff here it would be burns woodruff i think uh mike Threw in a good point. I think if Burns wins game one, we throw one of our other guys. We don't throw Peralta in game two. Um, we try either Hauser, whoever, whoever Craig Council's feeling that day. I so, like I like your pick in Miley. Um, but so I like the idea of taking and throwing Miley for the first three innings, and then bringing Peralta in for another three innings and then going right to our bullpen. So, which I do think Craig council is kind of like a genius when it comes to some of that stuff that he is more than willing to fuck with teams be like, Oh, you think you might be getting, you've seen this guy once. All right. Now you're going to not see him again. The rest. Yeah. I don't like that with uh, Peralta. I I mean, I like that with other guys, but I think if you got an ace in the hole, you're not going to show it like if you're, right. up three, if you're up three, nothing in the third inning and they've just like, and they, they're going to come around on Miley for a second time in game two, you just tell, you're not going to tell Peralta to finish the game. I don't think so. I think that's like, you're up three, nothing. So then obviously Miley's pitching all right. And you've Probably been getting great. Yeah. Then you've been getting away with it all season to win 92 games this year. Uh, I think you just trust your process at that point And you say Willie Peralta for if you really need him in game three, uh, I think you try to get away with it without using Peralta, but I think ultimately we're dumb and they just go burns. If they win game one, throw and Peralta Paul, over yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to end it. So, I mean, I think our hypothetical situation is, gonna strictly be hypothetical and we might not get to see that play but i did like that i'd like your uh little mad scientist uh wrinkle i, I, I would, would probably i would overthink myself into right into a loss probably as a major league baseball manager yeah yeah i know me too and i would still have like ryan brown on the team so i can't say too much jeff jenkins would still be playing right field for us right now if i was the well, I guess that would be more of a GM thing, but uh, yeah, I got too much loyalty to my guys. Uh, Bill, where would Bill Hall be playing? Center, shortstop, second base. He'd be playing wherever the heck he wanted to play. I'd be like, where Bill, do you want to play today, Bill? Bill, you want to pitch? You want to catch? You want to play shortstop, left, right, center? You can do it. Um, but yeah, I'll leave you guys here with the lineup I want to see. And I don't know if we've seen this quite yet. Um, I didn't watch. So I was watching the game where the Cubs got eliminated because the Marlins won a game. 
Uh, and the Cubs did end up beating us in that game. But then I was like, you know, it's football season right now. I got some stuff going on. I'm not going to tune into two Brewers games that don't mean anything on out. Uh, and I say that, and I think I did tune into a little bit because I know Canna was leading off in one game. Uh, but this is the lineup I want to see. I like South Relic uh, hitting one. Uh, takes a lot of pitches, you know, fights, fights off pitches. He just has smart at bats, makes the pitcher work right off the bat. Yelich, two, being our best hitter. You're going to want him to come up as much as possible. Hopefully, self relics on base when that happens. Then three, we go with Contreras, who's been pretty much Mr. Rock steady for us. Uh, he's hitting 291 on the season. And that was coming up. I want to say at the All-Star break, he was hitting 278. And so he's just been continuing to hit. Uh, then I want Canna, who's been ripping the cover off the ball uh, at DH. Um, and then we're going to do do kind of a rowdy Santana split in the five spot. So whoever we're feeling at first base uh, that day. And then we're going to go Monasterio six playing third base, Willie Dama seven uh, playing shortstop, Bryce Train eight. And then we're going to go back to Garrett Mitchell, uh, who has just come up. Maybe that's the guy I'm going to say. Maybe that's the hinge pin. Uh, he comes back. Uh, last time we had Mad Chad on the show, he was telling us before he went down, the Brewers were seven games above 500 uh and then they get into the all-star break when we had Matt chat on and they basically were still seven games above 500 so they were 500 uh without him and which is interesting because i want to look at the war real quick so right now our highest war guy is Contreras at 3.7 yelich 3.6 surprisingly willie adamas at three um I do not see Garrett Mitchell on here. Oh, he's at 0.5. So he, yeah, but that, that comes down to defense and all that other bullshit too. Yeah. Yeah. That bullshit defense, but no, I'm just saying there's a lot of stats that are going to go into war, right? Yeah. That don't just have to do with hitting where Adamas is, um, has struggled at the plate this year. Yeah. Yeah. So that is our Brewers, Arizona preview slash roll out the barrel uh we were gonna maybe give away some awards today but i think we'll save that for after the brewers season is over and they win the world series so that's when we'll save that for but as always thank you for listening we appreciate the support please like subscribe download we love you and mike what do you got for him well so i there's one quick thing uh Thanks for following us into October. Oh, no, there we go. There like we that. go. No, I was still trying to think of that, like basically the whole time you were going through the lineup. So, but I think October is uh, also, I have one like hypothetical question here that deals with baseball and October. Um, if you're a baseball guy, would it be out of pocket to name your kid October? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot lately. Uh, oh, but I think it's weird to yeah, any name I've seen a kid get. It tends to end up fitting them. I mean, I think that's just like the the nature of the beast. I don't know where you could go with October. So yeah, I think that'd be I think that would be a pretty interesting one. But if someone's kid name was October. I'd probably would you expect them to be good at baseball. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You would have to at that point or very the, scary for Halloween. One of the two. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There's only two directions that you could go. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put my foot down. I don't think October is a great name, but I don't love the name October. I'm just saying like, if your dad was like a huge baseball guy and you were Patrick October Jerome, Right. Like, like then you could just be like my middle name's October. Right. When the, when it comes around. Yeah. No, I, 
I take it back. It's a bad name. You got to earn the October in your name. Okay. You got to earn earn October. Then you could change your name if if that so fit you. Like Ocho Cinco. Exactly. 85. Let's go. He earned 85. Yelich is going to be Christian October Yelich after this year. No, no, no. You you said it was going to be Bryce or Garrett. Bryce October Terrain. I like that. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, the Terrain gang is going to come out, and for anybody who's doubting the Badgers, the Brewers, the Bucks, or the Packers, you can eat our shorts. Roll it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat them. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.